Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway, a United Methodist community in Portland, Maine. If you live locally, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Visit our website at www.hopegateway.com to learn more. But whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. So Alan left for England yesterday, and he was just arriving um, a half an hour ago or so at the place that he is his destination and the place he'll be for the next two weeks studying for his doctorate of ministry. So we give thanks for that safe, smooth journey um, without any brokenness. But that is not always the way of life, right? So we've been focusing for the past few weeks about on being broken vessels and the reality of that in the life of all of us, really, that we are all broken. And really this whole um, image comes from this passage um, in the book of 2 Corinthians, which is sometimes referred to as jars of clay. And I'd like to just read a few lines of this from um, the version called The Voice, which I'm reading from today. We are these vessels. But this beautiful treasure is contained in us. This beautiful treasure, this gift from God, is contained in us. Cracked pots made of earth and clay, so that the transcendent character of this power will be clearly seen as coming from God and not from us. We are broken. God's light is seen through us because we are broken. We are cracked and chipped from our afflictions on all sides. But we are not crushed by them. We are chipped from, cracked and chipped from our afflictions on all sides, but we are not crushed by them. Isn't that truth? We are bewildered at times, but we do not give into despair. We are persecuted, but we have not been abandoned. We have been knocked down, but we are not destroyed. We are cracked and chipped, but we are not crushed. That is a word of hope. That is good news, even when it doesn't feel like good news, to be chipped, right? We are not crushed. We have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that this power is from God. 
and not from us. Then last week, Alan talked about wheat, which I can't eat, so I don't really love this (laughs) illustration, but it doesn't really matter that it's wheat. The idea is that a seed cannot become something else without giving up its own life, right? That when you plant a grain of wheat, or any seed really, it ceases its former existence, but it gives new life. It becomes more than it was by giving up its former reality. And Alan talked about breaking open rather than just being broken, but breaking open. It's a gift to be broken. Doesn't feel like a gift, but it can be a gift. So you may have heard that Carrie Newcomer, who is a writer of several songs that we sing here at Hope Gateway, is coming to South Portland next week. And so I was in wanting to hear more about her, so I searched in my podcasts because somebody had told me she had been on On Being, but I came across something else that she was about, and it's a podcast called, and a retreat series called The Growing Edge, that Carrie Newcomer and Parker Palmer, who if you've been around Hope Gateway very long, have heard of Parker Palmer. Actually, I met Parker Palmer in 1999 when my dad, who's here today, took me to Colorado for a meeting of people in his job. And I was the, like, little mouse in the corner getting to hear Parker Palmer. We can't remember what he said, but it was very good. (laughs) Um, And one of the Lord's Prayers that we read in our rotation is from Parker Palmer. So you know him even if you don't know him. Um, So they have this um, monthly podcast that they're doing together, and they have one spiritual question that they meditate on and that they ask each other and they actually I discovered they have on their website like an invitation to engage that question for the general public Um, but they're both really insightful um, articulate people and as I was listening to their February podcast that they recorded in January it was really about being broken Um, So, I wanted to share some of that with you. Carrie um, said, some things can only happen when you take a break. Some things can only grow when you give them space. She said, there have been times in my life when I look And what is happening to me right now feels suspiciously like a hole. Have you ever had a time in your life when you looked at it and you thought, this looks like there's there's suddenly a hole in my life. Not something that I wanted, but suddenly there's a hole in my life. But she says, but then at a closer regard, it's not actually a hole It's a space. It's not actually a hole. It's a space. It's a space that couldn't exist unless things had opened up like that. 
What's waiting to be born that could never have been born without that opening of space. There's that moment when you look down at your empty hands and you realize that it's filled up with light. It's filled up with something that you could never have experienced or seen or stepped into without it emptying out a bit. Sometimes we have holes in our lives that can be transformed into space and fertile soil for growing. And those holes, those broken places, can be beautiful, become beautiful places in the story of our lives. And then Parker responded with this story about this retreat that he had just been on for a week and what he had learned in that time about himself and his own history. And I'm going to let him share those words. It reminds me of a very powerful experience I had on my retreat just a week ago. I brought with me some journals that I discovered from 40 years ago couple of very thick, very detailed journals that were from a period of real anguish in my life. I was a really tortured soul. And, and the journals were really an effort, you know, to, to stay alive in the middle of a period of time when, when this disease called depression had just rendered me motionless and meaningless. I mean, talk about slowing and stopping and that's where I was when I was writing these journals and just page after page of despair and and as I read on I, I thought I'm amazed at two things I'm amazed that first of all I could find the words and keep writing about this um, because there was so much pain in it. Who who wants mm. to replicate the pain on the on the page? Although that's also the therapeutic, and I'm sure that's what kept me going. But the the second amazement I had was that I survived this period in my life, which was so intense. Yeah. And suddenly, after about I don't know a hundred pages in this very thick notebook, the writing stopped. It just bang stopped in, in sort of mid sentence, as it were. Yeah. And I flipped the page, and I flipped another page, and I flipped another page, and I I think I flipped fifty blank pages, asking myself, "Is anything else here?" And I finally got to a page towards the end. I saw some a very brief paragraph on it. And it was all about how my will was gone, my ego was gone, my hope was gone. All I had with was the void, but the void was filled with love. Oh, That's wow. what it said. That's wow. what it said. And that was the end of that journal. After 50 empty pages where it felt like I was falling into the void, as I wow. flipped through them, you know, wondering 
is this the hole that I fell into? But that, but a kind of revelation at the end, and the void is filled with love. You know, love is not something I, that I create. Love is not something that I manufacture. Love is not something that I earn. The void is filled with love. It's, it's, it, uh, apparently, what I saw at the time was that love is the constitutive element of reality. And I was so strongly reminded of that when you said, and those empty hands actually hold something precious and fecund and, and, and growing. Um, that was an amazing moment. The void was filled with love. Love, not something that I create, nor something that I manufacture, or something that I earn. But the void is filled with love. God is love. <coughs> and God comes to fill the voids, the spaces, the openness the brokenness that is in us in ways that are more than we could ask or imagine, right? Usually when you're in that place of brokenness, you can't even imagine the way out. But the truth is that God makes a way, no matter what. So the scripture that I'd like to share with you today are words of hope are words of peace for us. I'm reading from the book of Isaiah in the 43rd chapter at the very beginning and then skipping ahead to verse 15. Remember who created you, O Jacob, who shaped you, O Israel, see, you have nothing to fear. I, who made you, will take you back. I have chosen you and named you as my own. When you face stormy seas, I will be there with you with endurance and calm. You will not be engulfed in raging rivers. If it seems like you're walking through fire with flames licking at your limbs, keep going. You won't be burned. For I am the Eternal, your Holy One. I am your King creator of Israel, my people. This is what the Eternal One says, the one who does the impossible. The one who makes a path through the sea, a smooth road through tumultuous waters, the one who drags out chariots and horses, armies and warriors, and drowns them in the sea. They will go down, never to rise again, 
Their lives are snuffed out like a candle wick. Don't revel only in the past or spend your time recounting the victories of days gone by. Watch closely. I am preparing something new. It is happening now, even as I speak. And you are about to see it. I am preparing a way through the desert. Waters will flow where there had been none. I am preparing something new. It's happening now, even as I speak. God is always doing something new, especially when something has ended or something has died. God is always doing something new. But the reality is there are dead ends in our lives, right? There are places that feel that we know, that we know beyond any reason of a doubt, they are dead ends. And one that has been named already by Parker Palmer is depression. Depression is a dead end. So let's name some other things that are dead ends in our lives or in the lives of people that we know. Addiction. Addiction. Mental illness. illness. Being afraid. afraid. What's that? Anxiety. Anxiety. Yeah. Self-pity. Fear. Persecution. What was it? Embolishment? <laughs> Maybe. There are lots of things, and a dead-end job. That's what Jen said at nine. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what we say, right? I'm in a dead-end job. There's nowhere to go from here. Sometimes poverty. Poverty. Yes, definitely. Feels like a dead end. Homelessness. Homelessness. Yeah. But the truth is that God is always doing a new thing. Right? So those things that we think are dead ends, that there's nowhere to go from there, it's really like we're standing at the edge of the Red Sea, and really there's nowhere to go from there, and God makes a way. There's, later in the podcast, Carrie Newcomer and Parker Palmer refer to this song that off of her new album that just came out, this year, which says, I arrive at the end, the place where I begin again, 
the end that makes the point of arrival. Endings can be beginnings. Endings are usually beginnings, right? Because if something ends, then something else gets to begin. And there's a space where there was a hole. There was a time in my life when it seemed that all the doors were closed to me to be the pastor that I wanted to be. I was in my fourth year of ministry and in my second setting of ministry. And my employment situation was unhealthy and demeaning. And Alan and I had a vision that we would start a new church in Portland. Which is not really the way you do it in the United Methodist system. <laughs> so we talked to all the people with authority. We had long conversations. We answered questions and we did tests and quizzes and all these things to try to make a way. And we had all those conversations and then we were told no. Rachel was a baby, not even one year old. So I thought, I guess I get to take family leave because that's how you stay a pastor and don't have a job. But it really seemed like the opportunities for the life that I had imagined as when I felt called to ministry were closing. And then, through a roller coaster of emotional events, the bishop said, you can go and be pastors at Chestnut Street United Methodist Church. And we said, what's that? And then we heard from all these other people afterwards, oh, that's a bad place. <laughs> Do you know how bad they are at Chestnut Street United Methodist Church? Do you know how many pastors they've eaten up there? We said, it's okay. They had moved out of their building 18 months before we came. So we were supposed to come and be pastors to the remnant congregation, and we were supposed to start a new community in our house. And we got a house with the deal, so that was pretty good. It was not what we imagined. But we said, okay, yes, we'll do this thing. And this is nothing like we imagined at any step of the way, but it's much better. But we were really excited about what this was going to be, which was not this, but it was good. You know, in my head, it was a good idea. It was very exciting. And... So in my goodbye, one of my last conversations with my supervisor at the time, he said to me, well, I just have to say, I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that you will be able to be successful in this ministry in Portland. 
because I haven't really seen any evidence of that thus far about you. So let me just say it took me about 10 years, which was just a couple years ago, to get over that because I think I've been successful at being a pastor. Not that that's the goal, but I think maybe even he would say I've been successful. I still work on my forgiveness for that man. <laughs> Actively, when I need to. But through grit and prayer and grace, we, alongside all of you, have created this church community. This beautiful community here in Portland, Maine. And that day, that month, that week, however long that lasted, when I knew that nothing was going to happen in my life that was the path I had imagined, was totally wrong. But that person back there in that moment had no idea what was coming next. Just like this person right here in this moment has no idea what's coming up next year or next month or five years from now. I have no idea. I mean, I have ideas, but I don't really know. <laughs> and that's the way life is, right? Because we live in the moment and we are cracked, but we are not crushed. Because we move on in hope to that next moment, that next thing that is not yet, that resurrection which is just about to be. And sometimes we have to work really hard to make it happen, and sometimes it just happens. In the Gospel of John, Jesus gives a long speech near the end of his life before he is arrested, explaining to his disciples what's going on and what's going to happen, what all of it means. And they say, yes, thank you so much for finally being clear with us about all of this. Now we understand. And I'm thinking, do you really? Because I don't even, like, I know the whole story from the, the other side of history. And I'm not sure I understand everything that Jesus was trying to tell you and all those things. But... He ends, well, he, it's in the middle. It's not at the end. Jesus says a word of hope, kind of, to the disciples. He says, I have told you these things that you will be whole and at peace. In this world, you will be plagued with times of trouble. But you need not fear. I have triumphed over this corrupt world order. In other words, in this world, you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. 
it would appear that on the Thursday before Jesus' death, on the Friday of Jesus' death, on the Saturday after Jesus' death, that that was a dead end. That there was no way to go forward from that. And I don't think that Jesus was just talking about times of trouble that week for his disciples and for the rest of the world. In this world, you will have trouble. That is life. We are vessels, jars of clay that are easily broken. But Jesus says that we need not fear. Don't be afraid. Because Jesus is with us and his self-giving love made a way for us even through his own death and his seeming defeat, which was his own desert, his own wilderness, his own dead end. And this hope that we have does not mean that we don't have brokenness or struggle or emptiness or dead ends, but it means that those are not the end of our stories. And in the end, we will overcome it all through love and through the love of Jesus, who is our Redeemer and our friend. May it be so. Amen.